Hello and welcome to the Anita Posho, a Bitcoin-only podcast. My guest today is Josh Shigala. He is the co-founder and CEO of Voltoro, a Bitcoin and physical gold trading platform established in 2015. We are talking about the future and current state of Bitcoin, how to hedge against Bitcoin's volatility using gold, and his new project, the Standard.io, which is basically a decentralized stablecoin. Before that, a message from my sponsors and a word about my new book. Enjoy! Living on crypto is easier than you think with Bitrefill. Choose from over 4,000 gift cards and mobile top-up options from around the world. I used Bitrefill to top up my phone when I was visiting Zimbabwe. It was easy, worked like a charm and I even earned sats back. Pay with Bitcoin, Lightning, Ethereum, Dash, Tether over Tron and many more options. No account is necessary. Join the thousands of users around the world who are living on crypto today using Bitrefill. Join now at bitrefill.com and start earning sets back with each purchase. That's bitrefill.com. Learn Bitcoin will teach you the why and how to use Bitcoin. Anita is one of the preeminent Bitcoin educators. Her book represents an invaluable contribution to the Bitcoin knowledge. Nick Carter, partner, Castle Island Ventures. Order your copy now at learnbitcoin.link. That's learnbitcoin.link. Did you know that last year, more than 14 million trades were made with gift cards on Paxful? That's 14 million discounts that were given in exchange for Bitcoin through regular entrepreneurs like you and me. Through these trades, entrepreneurs can make a profit. At the same time, they help unbanked people around the globe send money back home or access the global economy. An international business with Bitcoin is possible for everyone, and Paxful truly believes it. Find out how entrepreneurs around the world have been changing their lives with Bitcoin and Paxful.com by checking out this link, anita.link slash Paxful. That's anita.link slash Paxful. So, hello, Joshua Shigala. Welcome to the Anita Posho. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Thanks, Anita. It's such a pleasure to see you again. It's been, it's been too long. Yeah, it's been two years. And in those two years since 2019, as everybody knows, we couldn't travel and meet up. So it's yeah. great to have the chance now in this summer to, to meet ex uh, each other again. Yeah. 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 And wow, doesn't things like everything moves probably, I don't know, by a factor of 10 in crypto and Bitcoin, you know, like there's just so much going on all the time. And so. 10 minutes is actually a day's worth of stuff in 10 minutes. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so um, for all the listeners and viewers who don't know you, please introduce yourself. Oh, well, uh, my name is Joshua Shigala. I um, have been in Bitcoin for a long time because I, I actually was uh, developed a, a swap site for women to swap clothes uh, back in the day. Uh, we chose just women because it Uh, you got more coverage <laughs> in the press. Uh, we tried to swap everything and no one took notice. And then we just made it women's clothing, all, all these magazines and everyone was getting excited. So that's why that happened. But we noticed very quickly that swapping is a terrible way of doing anything. You know, I might really love your shirt and you love nothing that I have. 
and then the deal falls through when there's a whole marketplace there. And so if I could have given you some sort of credit or token or value that you could spend anywhere else in the market, that would have been wonderful. And so I was in 2002 already looking for some sort of token or I didn't call it tokens, it was credits back then, but I, I also didn't like credit because the the reference is that you owe something. Mm. And um, uh, and so I didn't quite know what I was looking for, but I didn't want to become a central bank <laughs> by issuing something in a database because I, you know, I, I just wanted to... And somehow I found the what the cypherpunks were trying to establish then. You know, the net was a lot smaller back then, and you could still find <laughs> crazy weird stuff. And um, and the double spend problem hadn't been solved, uh, and didn't look like it was going to be solved. So I sort of lost faith in the fact that it would ever be done. And but um, and then but I kept my ear to the railroad, as they say. And uh, yeah, in 2010, late 2010, the white paper I came across it again because every so often I just go for a search. Have anyone solved the double spend problem yet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. There it was. Wow, she'd done it. You know, this person called Satoshi did solved it. So um, yeah, and that was a real life changing moment as I realized we now have rare digital assets for the first time and. You know, so I I, um, I found an old video of me in 2011 in, on YouTube trying to tell people it's not a scam. Same stuff that you still say now. It's not a tulip bubble. It's not a scam. It's not you know, all the same arguments. It's amazing. But um, but yeah. So I went on, and then I uh, I added that to Swap Style, so um, people could, and everyone was like, "What's this weird address?" No you one, added Bitcoin. Yeah, to Swap Style. Yeah. When was that? Oh, twenty twenty eleven, ten maybe. Uh, it so you been were that was one of the first sites that had it. Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, you could get some alpaca socks, and you could, <laughs> <laughs> the famous put, alpaca yeah, socks. Famous alpaca socks, and you could put uh, an address in. But I don't think anyone but me used that address field. I mean, you couldn't really. All it was was a field to put your address to mm-hmm, someone to yeah. say. It was, there was nothing complex about it, but it was. Um, yeah, it was it was really an amazing moment, and then, of course, in, uh, Mount Gox collapsed uh, years later, and I uh, lost a lot of money in that collapse. And this was after a string of hacks and collapses, and people stealing bitcoins uh, from everyone else. And I remember just being so angry, not at my own loss so much as, of course, that was extremely dist- distressing as well, but more that. Um, we we have this amazing technology that is there to change the world. Like it, we have a separation of money and state. We have rare digital assets. We have this groundbreaking technology. Yet all these idiots are going around really ruining it because we would get press like the CEO of Bitcoin has stolen all these people's money. And of course, because the press didn't understand it yet, um, and that really infuriated me. So my brother and I sat down after the Matt Gox hat and tried to come up with a decentralized exchange on bitcoin and um it was too early the the op return codes weren't there it it just wasn't good enough for that but it has this amazing transparency side of it you know the blockchain has this great way of doing transparency so we focused on a super transparent exchange rather than 
uh, a decentralized exchange. And uh, that's why we came up with Voltoro. And the other side of Voltoro was, why are we trading back to fiat all the time? Why are we obsessing with the price of Bitcoin and USD uh, or euros or Australian dollars? Why don't we um, trade it with gold? Because gold is another rare asset. You're swapping rare numbers and rare metals. This sounds really great. So that's what Voltoro was born from, to trade between allocated gold sitting in a high security Swiss voting facility, fully insured and audited, and then swap back to Bitcoin and and just get rid of banks, get rid of fiat altogether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, the long, we took the no, scenic no, route yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. But uh, basically the situation hasn't changed a lot, has it? I mean, with all those scams out there and also those many, let's call them altcoins, who, which are mostly also scams. I mean, recently I got a letter, you know, a letter in my post box about an airdrop of two tokens and it's the best situation to get in now. And I mean... If you're not informed or educated well enough, then you think that this is true. Um, how how do you cope with this situation? Yeah, that, that's a that's a tricky one because I think the word scam is thrown around really too easily as well. Um, because there are legitimate projects trying to do weird stuff, and I really love the idea of experimentation with economic theory. It's much better than, uh, you know, experimenting with something and and then having gulags. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so, so rather than gulags uh, w- where you force an economic theory onto a populace, let's just try something wacky. But the thing is, a lot of these scams are there because um, I, I feel personally that the government and, and society in general has spent the last 50 years being obsessed with de-risking everybody's lives, obsessed with getting rid of any risk. And then this new technology comes out, which is risky, and people don't know what a scam looks like. They'll blatantly look at something like OneCoin or BitConnect and and think, oh, wow, I'm getting this much return and um, and it's working and... And they, they, and people will tell them this is a scam, like literally a, a Ponzi scheme, and they'll go, no, mm-hmm. because they don't see it. But then once they burn their fingers, that's when they go, oh, that hurt. Okay, and that's what a scam looks like. And so in a deregulated space, I feel like sometimes people need to, they do need to touch touch that flame for them to go, ah. Yeah, okay. but maybe not with their whole life savings. Oh, yeah. just I mean- the most tragic stories you hear, really, and. And um, I, I, I was on a conference uh, um, f- this week, last week, and it was full of really new people. And yeah, the one girl said she was this close because she saw a video on YouTube of someone saying, send me, you know, uh, like Elon Musk or something, send me this many of that token and I'll double that in return. Mm. And and I, like people fall for it all the time. It's it's unbelievable but they do Mm. so um that's one message that mainstream should like push out more of educating people about bitcoin what do you think what else is missing uh or maybe uh falsely reported in mainstream media that uh, you hope will be like corrected soon or maybe that people understand it better about bitcoin i mean yeah 
I mean, one of the big things that I think is really important right now is the whole layer two side of things. Uh, the scaling debate in Bitcoin was so toxic um, that it it really kind of disrupted it and got so political that it disrupted normal technology. It's kind of, I, I feel it's, there's a similar analogy with the whole uh, pandemic where um, the politics has gotten in the way of people talk, doctors talking about drugs that shouldn't be in politics, you know, medications and things. <laughs> Instead, it's like this political thing. And this is what happened in the scaling bit debate. One thing I'm, I'm kind of very uh, interest, I find interesting is that um, this is one thing I'm thankful for Ethereum for is because the Ethereum community has just not had that at all. And they've really embraced layer two technologies. So a lot of them are now coming across going, yeah, of course you need layer two on Bitcoin. And so a lot of people are coming back to Bitcoin going, well, we we you need layer two. You can't do it on chain. There's just no possible way because they actually understand no matter how big those blocks get, you you, you always feel them. And um and so yeah, the 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 lightning network and the understanding that that's needed and it's amazing once once you've actually used it and put away all the nonsense and the fud and actually take a wallet and use it, you realize how a how great the ex user experience is now you know it's taken a while but uh, the development and the open source development has been so amazing that they've they've fixed a lot of the stuff and it's just such an amazing technology so i definitely um think that's one of the biggest things that people need to uh, now yeah and and stop with comparing it with the visa network because soon uh bitcoin with the lightning network will have more transactions and payments uh per second than visa mastercard and all all of them together absolutely and, absolutely and the growth is uh immense i mean the the lightning network was launched i think uh live in 2018 mm -hmm. And now, only three years afterwards, there are like, uh, I think, 2,300 Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. So yep. in these payment channels uh, used for, for fast payments, micropayments, yep. for podcast streaming, all these, from even for messaging, like a prevention of spam. Uh, and I think that's the mainstream does not know anything about that, what is built here. And then yep. everybody thinks, oh, Bitcoin is old technology. It's so slow. Nothing is happen happening there. And it uses, uses a lot of electricity. Yeah, yeah so, that's the big one too. I mean, I, 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 I'm always like laughing by myself to thinking, okay, I mean, in one, two, three, four, five years, you will see what you've missed and mm. how wrong you were. Mm. Um, because I think it's only a question of time. Yeah, there's so much happening um, on the Lightning Network. Uh, and, and the, the, yeah, I, just to touch on the electricity, um, FUD, as I guess it's called, but is that it's so easy to calculate the electricity usage on Bitcoin. It's a very simple equation. It's like, how much is the hash rate? How much is the cost per, per watt? And, and, uh, um, and you can just do that, that calculation. Whereas to calculate the amount of electricity that maybe, the PlayStation network of PlayStations around the world takes is is equivalent, but it's extremely hard to calculate that. 
mm. um, let alone how much the banking network uses. We, it's so that you need to, to do the trucks and the buildings and the lights. It's almost impossible to calculate. So, um, but not only that, I have a lot of friends in the mining space over the years. And every time I talk to them, they say, we don't use much coal at all. It, and the dirty stuff really isn't used because the whole scope is to find the cheapest stuff. So they're not only finding renewables like masses of gushing water or um, geothermal power or um, uh, uh, even wind, I think. But the main one is is water and, and, and geothermal. And it's also driving one of the it's one of the biggest drivers in searching for renewables. Oh, the other source of energy is actually wasted energy. Um, power companies uh, at nighttime, it costs a lot to wind down electricity generation, so they'd rather just keep it on, um, even though and then all that is wasted. Rather than that, they just throw it into miners and store that energy as crypto as Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So. So um, I, I think it's a wrong. I think it's a it's a misguided notion to say that um, that this energy production is uh, and usage is a bad thing because what it's really doing is driving for the search for renewables. Bitcoin is fundamentally made by technologists that want to find uh, better ways of doing stuff and more efficient ways of doing things. The only place you want to use coal is where a state is subsidizing that coal um, where and it's usually in yeah in countries that have a lot of oil or something like yeah, that. yeah the funny thing is that germany also still subsidizes coal and oil so yeah right <laughs> yeah so it's all a little yeah weird arguments from everywhere and everybody is saying what he or she believes to know you know like yeah yeah like it is on social media in general um, what are other interesting developments for you in Bitcoin uh, in the last months? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the thing, the beautiful thing with Bitcoin is it's it's very stable. It it, it doesn't move. It they're not. There's not a major upgrades happening. Where the, where all the action is happening is in layer two, and um, seeing work from like Ben Ark, uh, who builds a lot of really amazing stuff on LNBits.com. Um, there, there's, I, I'm just blown away. For instance, um, back in the early days, uh, a guy called Eric Voorhees, you probably know of, and mm-hmm. probably interviewed. Um, he, uh, he invented a thing called Satoshi Dice or him and a group of people. Uh, and this, this invention of Satoshi Dice, which was basically, um, uh, uh you could send some Bitcoin to, a, to an address and the the address would automatically send back. It sounds like one of those scams, actually. <laughs> but it uh, it would send back a um uh, a multiple uh, or an odd. So uh, different addresses would have different um, odds of, of return mm-hmm. and different winnings. So mm-hmm. uh, one, for instance, would uh, would maybe send back double, but the odds of winning are very small. But what his uh, what the amazing uh, invention actually for, from Satoshi Dice was, was provably fair. So after the mm-hmm. fact, it used um, uh, some clever mathematics with the blockchain. To, so you could, after the fact, prove 
that the calculation that the system used to determine if you won or not was already predetermined, but you couldn't see it until after the fact. So, okay, so yeah. you can prove uh, that it was really uh, by chance. Yeah, okay. yeah, and 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 uh, you could prove that the outcome was exactly right mm -hmm. on on the randomness that was generated by the the mm -hmm. Bitcoin network. Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, what happened there? This was with this invention created the concept of on-chain spam. <laughs> mm -hmm. The forums lit up and said, you're spamming the network because people would send in like small, small tiny dust amounts and see if they get something back. And, you know, the blocks weren't full yet. So they were just all the time. And they're like, this is spam. And, uh, and a lot of people, the other side were like, there is no such thing as spam. If you pay for the fee, then it's a legitimate transaction. Mm -hmm. Anyway, of course, what happened, it, it got, The Bitcoin network got too expensive for this stuff because the blocks became full and all that happened. But now, uh, Ben uh, Ark of, of LN Bits created Satoshi Dice just to see as, a, as an experiment on Lightning. And now we can, uh, people can send sub Satoshis, mm -hmm. so less than a Satoshi, and, and back and forth and back and forth and all around. Um, without clogging the network at all. So it sort of solves the spam issue. And, and I, I really, I, I love that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a gambler. I don't like gambling. But, um, you know, the whole crypto space is kind of, uh, it's, it's a good use case uh, because, and it always has been. I mean, even just buying Bitcoin is kind of a gamble in a way because you're <laughs> speculating on the price going up, right? Yeah. Um, but, Uh, but apart from that, he's also made some amazing stuff for Twitch streamers uh, and stuff where you can have a QR code and that can trigger like a, a smoke machine <laughs> and stuff. So people watching the ah, live okay. stream can like send a few Satoshis and then this smoke machine would like start <laughs> blowing in someone's face um, and, and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah Ben is a great inventor. I uh, interviewed him also. So there's already a video interview in the podcast for the people who want to hear it. Well, do yourself he's a favor, folks. Listen to that. It's really interesting, yeah. Um, so then uh, in a few days, uh, Bitcoin will be legal tender in El Salvador. Um, how have you, um, how do you say that? How is this for you? Like an, a Bitcoin OG? May I t call you an OG? <laughs> <laughs> I guess, yeah. What, what is and it I, actually, I, OG? Original gangster? Or ori yeah, original gangster. Or, uh, old gang? Or uh, no, how? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I think it's American slang, original gangster. But uh, yeah, El Salvador is a very interesting one. It kind of, it, it's, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about it like a lot of people in the space mm. first you've got this sort of pretty hardcore dictator like um you know just sort of forcing this currency on everyone and now i'm seeing that there are demonstrations against bitcoin which is also fascinating i really found that fascinating too um but for me it's always been a legal tender i mean it's uh, you know in terms of Hey, I want to pay someone. I can pay someone in this. Whether, where, like, this has been the beautiful thing about it. It's permissionless. I don't need the permission of the state. Sure, you can now pay your taxes in Bitcoin. But, you know, when you want to pay your taxes, you convert 
some Bitcoin and, and pay the taxes in that form. But hey, look, everything is a, is a step in the, as, as, as the world's legacy financial system crumbles, which it is, uh, it's, and it's been totally sped up and accelerated through this whole pandemic, um, where, where, you know, I expected the governments to start accepting Bitcoin as legal tender in the next, um, in the next hype cycle, because usually, you know, it starts with the, the people and uh, first drove it up to 30 bucks and then to 1000 and then to, uh, you know, and then it pumps back down and uh, drops and, but every time that happens and it drops back down, it, it waits for a while. And during that time it builds and, and the next time was obviously the institutions came in and then I was expecting it to drop and wait another four years until then governments. But this pandemic has sort of seemed to sped stuff up. Mm. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I don't believe Bitcoin is ready yet for that um, because it needs to be on lightning. It needs to be. It cannot be all on chain. It just won't yeah. work. Yeah. Um, yeah. But they are using a lot of lightning infrastructure as far as I can tell. I mean, yeah. I mean, as you say, the interesting thing is, I mean, pushing it on people as legal tender is weird in a way because Bitcoin always wanted to be an alternative, open and for everybody to use, but you don't have to. Mm. But on the other hand, you can immediately um, change it into US dollars so you don't even have to hold the Bitcoin. Mm. But I think... One other question is also, as you said, uh, the leader of the government, uh, he's not really a Democrat, I would say. And it's, of course, a, a question, what is really happening there? Yeah. yeah. So that the people who live there are skeptical, um, I can understand that, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's really nice things with Bitcoin that, that – come with the ethos right and i'm i'm hoping that it won't just be the currency mm. i'm hoping that um we can have a look at because there's this obsession uh with a lot of people that either you have a dictator or you have democracy or a monarchy i guess you can have it. it's like it's so black and white but i feel like there's so many new this is another thing that Uh, in the wider crypto space is being discovered is is ideas of governance and how you can govern anarchic structures in a more um in a different way and so I, I, maybe el salvador can you know he can let go of his ego and uh, and start to dis discover ways like Just in general, even if it's not decentralized, but something like GitHub, how that works is really interesting where people can put in pull requests for mm -hmm. laws, maybe. Um, this open source model of, of governance would be really interesting to start to explore rather than just changing the money. Yeah, I mean, this open not source model it, is, 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 is really cool. I mean, my book is also on GitHub. Yeah. And I asked some, asked some people of the community if they want to help. And uh, some of them just read it and proposed a change. And I just had to like, uh, I don't know what the word is now, but uh, push it or, yeah, or yeah. how is it on GitHub? <laughs> uh, like update it anyhow. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. so one can Commit. write 
commit. Thank you. One can write a book together with hundreds of other people, as Andreas Antonopoulos is doing with Rene and yes. uh, his other co-author, and they have, I think, 200 other contribute contributors, which is fantastic. Absolutely. So yeah. these are the things. I mean, GitHub is not Bitcoin, yes, but uh, the the idea of open source. These uh, are great innovations. Mm. Mm. Okay, so. Um, you were talking about new forms of um, governance. And as far as I know, you are starting a new project at the moment, which will also have a it be a decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's, I think, a stable coin called the standard euro. Yeah. Uh, well, that's that's a component of it. Um, so when we, we started Voltoro, and people could buy gold and then trade that gold back to Bitcoin. But over the years, as we've gone to conferences and, and I've met with many, many other gold vaulting facilities around the world, they're all stuck in the past. They're all very antiquated. You know, you think, you think banks are antiquated and, and slow moving. Gold, the gold businesses, like they're still Even wearing. More. Even more, you know, I, you know, I'd be surprised if they have a phone, they'd have a beeper or something and say, beep, 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 I've got a page. No, but uh, um, basically, we wanted to have a look at what we can do there. And a lot of those companies came to me and said, Josh, you're the Bitcoin and, and, and gold guy. How do we tokenize gold? How do we tokenize gold? And I, I, every time I said, look, don't do it. Because you will scam people. You don't know it yet, but you will. How so? Because when you tie a token to a gram of gold, you say this token is equal to this gram of gold. Okay, it's that's a nice thought. Um, but what ha when you have gold sitting in a high security vaulting facility, you need to pay for insurance and auditing and the big guns and the walls and the doors and the facility, you know, there's all these real world costs. Now, I say, okay, well, I'll attach that. Maybe I'll put a little script in there to say that every time I send it, it sends a little bit of fee to the vaulting facility. Okay, so what if I never send it? What if I lose my private key? What if I die and it sits there? Well, this gold vaulting facility is going to pay forever now for your loss and they can't they can never mm -hmm. really change that and on the same uh, ground as that you have really no need for tokenized well how no one knows how many grams of gold a bottle of whiskey costs you know like it's just not something you think everyone knows what it costs in their local currency and so I said, don't do not do it because otherwise you turn into a Ponzi scheme. You need new people to come in mm. to pay for the people that have lost their keys or aren't moving it. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, okay. And But this is – I kept thinking and thinking about this problem, how, how to use real assets to back things. And, um, and, yeah, so this is where the standard came from, that I wanted people to lock up gold. So rather than uh, – Rather than you tokenize gold and people have that on their phone, what we what we're uh, proposing is that you uh, the system tokenizes gold, sends those tokens into a contract into a smart contract, 
and it would be locked in there. The humans can't ever take it out. All a human can do, an owner of those, is to have access to it to either put it into a locked state or an unlocked state. And when you put it into a locked state, you can say, okay, now this much value, let's say it's $10,000 worth of gold is locked in that contract. Now I can generate up to 85% of that value as a stable euro currency, uh, as a, a peg to the euro. So now we have a contract that pays every month the voting fees, no matter if I die, uh, it's programmed to pay those fees. Plus, I can spend in fiat. Um, so I, I can, uh, and all I need to do is buy that fi- that stable coin back, pay, put it, send it back into the contract, and that unlocks the gold and and Bitcoin wrapped Bitcoin and the stuff that I've got in there. But um, but what's interesting here is if you borrow money from yourself, um, you basically can allow inflation to pay off your debt. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is how a lot of the wealthy, of a lot of people say, how do the wealthy stay wealthy through hyperinflation or inflationary um, situations? Well, they borrow money. They get into debt at fixed interest rates, uh, hopefully. That's usually what they do. And then they um, uh, will buy a lot of property. And then in 10 years' time, when a milk a carton of milk costs the same as what you borrowed you basically paid off real assets yeah so that's why the the difference between uh, rich and poor is getting wider and wider all the time yeah absolutely uh, this is one of the one of the core things that i wanted to really tackle was 78% of the world well this is a us stat but 78% of the us and i'm sure it's very similar in europe are living paycheck to paycheck And um, and what happens there is that you just cannot save. Mm-hmm. The people cannot save when you have to live paycheck to paycheck because as soon as you put some money aside, you've lost the liquidity to pay for rent and such. So to break that cycle, wouldn't it be great if you could save but then borrow 85% of that and uh, and use that to live in? Sure, it's not 100%, but you what the hope is that you can save in real assets like like bitcoin or or gold or ethereum and and have uh and then generate liquidity for yourself and this is the this is the concept okay so it is not dependent on the fiat system then because at the moment many people who have the possibility they take a loan uh by bitcoin and then pay it back like less the inflation uh, in fiat. That, that's, uh, that's the way how I understand it. That's like Michael Saylor is doing it, yeah? So, but if we don't have the fiat system anymore, because some Bitcoiners uh, want hyper-Bitcoinization and no more fiat and Bitcoin will be the only uh, currency of the world, then this doesn't work anymore, huh? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I agree. But What I'm finding, you know, we run a Bitcoin-only business. Voltoria was Bitcoin-only for many, many years. Bitcoin and gold. Only pair, no other things. What happened over those years is that um, now, I swear, 98% of freelancers that I use want to be paid in stablecoin. Because A, it's super easy to account for. When they get, when they put an invoice for 
1995, <laughs> they get 1995, and then they can use that to buy Bitcoin with. Um, and or, or what do they do with the rest? Maybe they pay it out then in in euros to, to yeah, pay the rent and stuff. Exactly. They, they you know they they buy a little bit of Bitcoin and a little and then pay the rent or whatever bills they've mm -hmm. got. And and their accountant goes, oh, you, well, you got paid. It's just a lot easier to deal with. Um, in the hyper Bitcoinization, I think it, it could definitely come, and it's a dream that we all have. But the boots on the ground say a different story right now. And I, as a as someone that's an entrepreneur, have to do what the market's doing. I can s have a song and dance and say, no, no, this is better. If if the market doesn't want it, the market doesn't want it, and this is, you know, the this is what it is. So, and which stable coins do the freelancers, for instance, uh, want to have? Oh well, unfortunately, it's always like tether and stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, this is this is again what I'm really really uh, scared about. Tether has become so big that JP Morgan just released uh, a paper saying that it's up there as the one of the largest, three largest investment funds in the world, wow. along with BlackRock. Mm -hmm. So this is to me so crazy because uh, it's not just Tether. I don't want to pick on Tether, but, but USDC and um, Binance USD, all these centralized one-to-one stablecoins are very, very, very dangerous. They're an existential threat to the entire space. Why? Because, first of all, if I run a one-to-one -one coin uh, where I peg one dollar to one ERC-20, basically, I can print all my own ERC-20s and the market says, oh, that's $1. So I could go out there, print an infinite amount of whatever and buy rare assets, rare Bitcoin with this stuff mm -hmm. that I create out of nowhere and don't have to show real proof that I have the backing uh, dollars. The second problem is that um, banks can just disappear. Uh, as we saw in 2008, we saw JP Moore, like we saw um, uh, Lehman Brothers just collapse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were an investment bank, but um, the banking sector had a real problem. So you don't want one authority holding uh, an entire economy's value—not uh, va value, but there's a the large portion of the Bitcoin and crypto space is underpinned by these centralized nodes in terms of the value coming in and out and liquidity. Um, so. The, the, and the, the, the third thing is negative interest rates. Why isn't there a euro one-to-one -one stable coin? Well, because if you if a company like Tether uh, or uh, had a whole bunch of euros, they have to pay negative interest rates. That breaks their whole business model. So um, so with with doing that, you can really, um, Uh, yeah, we don't want to rely as an economy, as a as an alternative to that space, rely so heavily on these centralized one-to-one -one stablecoins. What I really find fascinating is the maker die, um, because they are doing similar what the standard is. We we see the standard as an a next generation of what maker did, but what what the maker did was 
really fascinating. I didn't think it would work as well as it did. What they said is, rather than um, rather than having an actual peg, a hard peg, let's do a soft peg where um, people lock up Ethereum into a smart contract and you generate up, uh, you have to be 150% over collateralized. Mm-hmm. So you've got more real value as in uh, this stuff, this rare cryptocurrency. I mean, you know, whatever you think of Ethereum, that's a different story. But let's just, you could say Bitcoin, you know, uh, on RSK. So someone's mm-hmm. building this on RSK as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. But the concept is you over collateralize a smart contract and issue yourself a coin that's pegged to the USD. And how is that pegged? Well, it's pegged in that um, the you have to pay this loan. It's a loan to yourself. Mm-hmm. You've put in, let's say you've put in Ethereum, you've borrowed, and there's an interest rate that the network charges you. Now, if the if the USD peg drops, so the let's call it standard dollar, euro, for instance, if that drops compared to the euro, um, the network would lift interest rates a little bit, and a lot of people go, "Ooh, that's that's too much for me. I'll pay back my loan." So they'll go into the free market, buy back some standard euro, causing demand to lift the price again. So, and the same for the other way. If it goes above, if the value goes above a euro, then the network will lower the interest rates, meaning people, more people will borrow from themselves mm-hmm. and and dump it onto the market, which lowers. So these this mechanism is what central banks have used all around the world to um, to keep a stable-ish economy, except central bankers are hidden behind closed doors uh, by a few elite and uh, this is very different. This is uh, thousands of people transparently deciding on a on an interest rate that will keep that peg. So it's a human-driven, decentralized uh, interest rate peg. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And why did you choose to do it with an ERC twenty token and not, for instance, on RSK or another Bitcoin sidechain? Um, we haven't ruled it out. Uh, we're we're still exploring it. the The reason why we are doing it on uh, Ethereum to start with, um, but it, it we definitely want it cross chain. Uh, we want to hop back and forth. Is mm-hmm. but the reason why is because the network effect. We don't want to build something in the middle of the desert that needs to work with many other projects. And and there are a lot of uh, really uh, uh, important parts of ecosystems like decentralized exchanges and stuff that are and liquidity pools and and all of this stuff that that needs you can't just build something and isolate yourself someone needs to start and this is what someone like aaron koenig has said to me hey but josh someone needs to start the thing is it's um so we want to we want to in parallel put some r&d into that what our hope is that when people um uh, collateralize let's say gold or cryptocurrency into a smart contract they can um, they can choose which chain to uh, to generate um, uh, standard euro on or and then later standard dollar and standard yen standard shekel standard everything else and um, we're hoping that uh, we're also putting some work into the RGB and uh, there's a lot of R&D happening in the background to really 
see what technology is right because we're in this situation right now in crypto generally where we need to find the right scaling solutions on on which chains and which one works best so uh, obviously on bitcoin it is uh, it is the lightning network and rgb is a is a component of that and for those that don't know it that that's like an uh, it's like a colored coin version of 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 uh, on on lightning which is a weird technology because lightning uh, we'll go into it, but <laughs> but it's a but it's amazing. But uh, especially in Ethereum, there's um, there's a huge gamut of different scaling solutions that people are trying. There's it's not just Bitcoin's chosen very much just Lightning, um, and there's a couple of implementations of Lightning, but they're working as a standard together. Uh, but on Ethereum, there's like ten or twelve different scaling solutions as layer twos. And so it's interesting to see which one is in there. So I, I find it a very, very interesting space. I, I, I was very much a Bitcoin maximalist for a very long time. And I still am in a way. It's just that I, I, can't, I can't spend so much resources and build something in the middle of nowhere. I need to build it as part of a, a wider ecosystem and then maybe branch out and and help build out the site once that's available. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you are totally on the forefront here of innovation. Eh? I mean, um, how do you think about regulation? I mean, one day the banks and the government will come and say to you, no, uh, or you do, you have to do this and that. How do you see this in the future? Well, this is why I really like MakerDAO uh, because it, it, it it's not a one-to-one -one peg because those those one-to-ones they will get taken down once the central banks go hmm there's more money there's more volume right now going through DeFi than the whole of fintech put together <laughs> like and that's including venmo and some of these big unicorns that are happening like they're, 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 people can't grasp what's happening right now and and so Once the central banks go, hmm, we want a piece of this action. Now that Tether's as big as BlackRock, like they are, this is Incredible. just yeah. So, so they um, so they the, the central banks are going to put a stop to it. They're going to go. We're going to issue our own. China will start. Then it'll probably come the U.S. And then they'll they'll say nothing. Not we we're doing it now. Mm. So, but something like Make a Die, they cannot shut down because it is a DAO. Um, they can stop. Um, on ramps and off ramps like Coinbase from trading it, but they can't fundamentally stop the technology. So, what we're hoping is that the standard will uh, be a network of once once the whole banking system kind of crushes in on itself. Uh, we think what will be left are old school vaulting facilities mm -hmm. where people hold value. Without anything, uh, any rehypothecation or any of these like things that banks do, which means basically fractional reserving. Um, there's a lot of these. There's ten trillion dollars worth of bullion sitting in these vaulting facilities around the world, and it's just all gathering dust. So it would be great to um, network those, and this is what the standard is trying to do: is build sort of, sort of like a Sepa or a Swift network between these that also go up and allow uh, people to do more than just account for it, but 
rather put it into smart contracts and land and have the fun in DeFi. Mm-hmm. Sounds very interesting. Yeah. And when do you think will the standard euro, for instance, be available for people like me? Or how could I participate in the whole project? Yeah, I mean, the the, the participation is really, uh, it, it will take a, a while yet. We're, we're doing the currently the R&D and the coding of the smart mm-hmm. contracts. But um, one of the one of the big aspects of this is no one wants to spend $30 sending $2. So I really want to make sure that the scaling stuff happens at the same time. And that's kind of what's important mm. is that we choose the right technologies. And this is where I think Lightning is so important and trying to have a hop from the Ethereum world to the light to the Lightning world And having that cross compatibility is really interesting. This is something our CTOs are, uh, CTO is looking at um, very closely. I'm looking at a lot as well. Um, but I, I'd have to say that we're we're looking for the Q2 of next year uh, that we'll have something uh, fully ready. But we hope that an MVP will be before that. Um, on test networks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have a lot of experience with gold and gold vaults because um, with your other company, your first company, Voltoro, yeah. um, you give people the possibility to hedge against the Bitcoin volatility. Yeah. Maybe let's uh, talk a little bit about that in the last minutes too. Yeah. Um, what is the um, like proposition or what, what can people do on Voltoro? You know, the, the the initial thing was that I didn't want to trade in fiat because when Mt. Gox collapsed, everyone that held fiat on there um, also lost that money. Because when you hold an, uh, when you're a creditor, hence the name, you're a creditor, you're actually crediting the company and it's on their balance sheet. So if the company goes broke, your money's also gone. So gold is all about having an allocated asset that is off the balance sheet of Voltoro. Um, we just connect the vaulting facility and and we do all the organization of buying the gold and, and putting it in the vault and, and insuring it and auditing it. But it's not anything to do with us as a company. And then when they sell it again, we, uh, the, the user with the, the terms of use, gives us the rights to do it on their behalf, go and sell it and give them back the Bitcoin, you know, get Bitcoin, find someone with Bitcoin that wants to buy it and match those and, you know, all that fun trading stuff. And, um, and the whole concept was to get away from the problems that if we didn't run the company well, then, and, and the company goes down, then everyone is dealing with our problem of being a terrible company so luckily we're not a terrible company we've grown since 2015 and we're, we're only growing but it's um it's what it's something that i wanted as a user hey can we stop using these exchanges that are dealing with banks many people don't know if you put money in a bank it's not your money anymore it's the bank's money they It's, it belongs to them. They just promise to pay it back to you. And that's why they give you interest for that privilege. Well, and in Europe, they don't even do that anymore above 100K. But going <laughs> back to the standard, so basically I would still have the keys to my Bitcoin if I put it 
into the standard yeah, yeah. and okay so uh-huh yeah so um, so what what the great thing is there there's other there's comp there's centralized companies um at the moment that where you can send in bitcoin and they give you a loan mm-hmm. but i just don't trust that i don't want to send my bitcoin for a measly yeah, me or whatever too. return yeah. you know so i've never done it but i have used it on ethereum on the smart contracts because i've looked at the code i've found it very fascinating and i thought mm, and it's lasted a long time and not been hacked yet and i i you know i bought my car like that i put ethereum in instead of selling my ethereum um i put it in there and and then i issued myself some currency and i sold that that for a car mm-hmm. Meanwhile, my the the crypto that's stored in that smart contract's gone up. So I wanted to do the same mechanism for for Bitcoin, but also for gold. And um and I didn't want just one output uh which was DAI which is uh, pegged to the US dollar. I want I want every single currency, especially the ones that are going through major inflation because imagine being able to save and then borrow some money from yourself and letting that inflation pay off. So this was the other two things. There's another thing that the standard is trying to do mm-hmm. and that's dealing in, in with governance which I touched on before with the prediction markets. Um I find uh this is a all-round an issue with DAOs is that no one shows up to vote or partake. Mm-hmm. Um the, the the it's sort of voter apathy happens plus we kind of know that voting is not a very good mechanism of deciding much um generally people are kind of you know not the most educated on anything and they're not experts in whatever they're voting on and they and then if you pay them to come and vote to for, so you have participation people just come in and click whatever and don't care and then oh yeah you'll get paid so um what we're looking at is using prediction markets and prediction markets are another way of saying gambling which is <laughs> back to that i swear i'm not into gambling but it's an interesting uh, mechanism because there's a lot of uh, academia that 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 uh, proves that prediction markets and picking odds are the best way humans have to determine the future so for instance um if you have a sports team that you really love like it's your team your your father and your grandmother and mm-hmm. your, everyone was for that team uh it's your hometown but you know that the person just broke the goalkeeper broke his foot last week and the 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 other players feeling ill and that player is not too good this season and they're up against the champions I'm going to put my money secretly on the champions <laughs> because it's my money I want to earn money. So it people tend to put away their dogmas and um because they know they can win something and and it promotes it promotes participation. So we want to look into how to keep that peg, how to determine interest rates by people placing wages on uh placing bets on which interest rate would keep the closest peg. to a one to one uh, rather than people just voting and saying i vote 2% or 1% or 0.5 or whatever it is uh, instead we we make it a comp- make it a a, a a competition to see uh, what and and if you're right then you win from the people that were wrong 
um, and that way you get more participation. So it's just an interesting concept that we want to explore um, as as part of an evolution in governance. Um, and you know, there's there's some really uh, the really great concepts on on the idea of governance through prediction markets. So I would like to see, like we talked about with El Salvador, it'd be really nice to say, hey, um, which candidate, if you had a you know choice of candidates, which which candidate would uh, lift jobs, uh, the amount of jobs or the the uh, general happiness index <laughs> in in five in four years time will the general happiness index be higher or lower under this candidate or this candidate and people would say oh and this candidate," and the odds would choose the the person that gets in you know so there's all these amazing mechanisms that we could try to use um and yeah i i don't know we'll, we'll see they're all they're all fun ideas to explore yeah so there's a lot of experimentation here going on so now we didn't finish the voltoro uh, thing what oh, people sorry. can do on voltoro yeah well you can come in uh you can open an account um you you can't be uh, part of uh, north korea syria or you know new york <laughs> 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 Because of the license, because the license. Of, yeah, yeah, the bit license, and um, but you you can uh, create an account just like any other exchange, and um, because the gold is allocated to you, uh, we we take the KYC, but that's mainly because not because uh, of any sort of you know major uh, government things. It's more because hey, this gold belongs to you. Um, if if you pass away, mm -hmm. uh, we need to know who that that who, gold belongs yeah. to, um, and uh, and and this is this is why that happens. So then they they buy that and then they trade back to Bitcoin. And if Bitcoin goes up, like a lot of people, the other great thing is to do on Voltori, even if you don't buy gold, a lot of people that buy gold are a lot more astute in terms of economic understanding than a lot of the crazy uh, crypto, you know, moon boys mm -hmm. and girls mm -hmm. out there that are just like, you know, oh, they're just caught up in the hype train. A lot of the people that are into gold keep a lot more sort of, I don't know, they just seem to be, have a more macro understanding of what's happening. Mm. So, for instance, in 2017, we saw a massive influx of people buying gold And it was to me a big pointer, like something's happening, some, something's going to crash soon. And sure enough, it crashed, and then everyone, uh, you know, and then everyone waited until the bottom was in, and then they were selling their gold back to Bitcoin. Um, and so, I, to me, it's it's a nice way to keep a track on what's what's the market sentiment. I mean, I guess you could look at general volume and and hype, but. Uh, Uh, yeah, that was that's another thing you can do on Voltoro. Mm. Interesting. So, I'm um, just to tell you. I mean, I'm looking at my, at my at my watch not because I'm bored, but because I try <laughs> to keep it uh, in an hour. This yeah, <laughs> talk, yeah. and um, so we're closing now. Um, there's one question I have to you uh, that I'm asking a lot of people because I'm interested in what they're saying. Then uh, there's a saying that goes: "You don't change Bitcoin; Bitcoin changes you." 
How has Bitcoin changed your life? I mean, you're in since over 10 years now. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird to think that it's that long. I think it's um, it's made me more... Um, I'm more careful with what I purchase. So when before Bitcoin, I would look for the cheapest version of the thing I needed. You know, uh, the best deal, the cheap thing. And this is one of the things why I think the gr the greenies out there should really love Bitcoin. Because rather than buying some crap thing that I know will break probably tomorrow <laughs> or, you know, very quickly because it's cheaply made, and I, Bitcoin has made me, you know, it something has to be very good for me to want to sell my Bitcoin. <laughs> to buy something so it's got to be of quality um so it stopped me being a mass consumer mm. um and made me the stuff that i do buy has to i i have to really really want it and it ha and rather than get the cheap version that will um, probably stop working very uh you know quickly <laughs> i will i will save a little bit more and get the proper one that will last me hopefully for the rest of my life um obviously that's the that's the, the best outcome but um yeah i think it i think that's what it's done it's made me less of a consumer and more of a saver mm, which is a great outcome and it which would help the environment and uh the world in general yeah yeah i think so i think so i mean mm. it's not like people to make less they just take more time to make something better yeah exactly <laughs> so anything we missed that you want to tell our listeners and viewers no i, I all i would say is um uh is that we're living in one of the most extraordinary times in terms of economic theory put into practice and i would say that um as this whole world, as this financial system is crumbling and cracking and the cracks are getting wider and wider, um, I, I, I applaud your listeners for, for finding this podcast, learning about Bitcoin and sticking to the fundamentals of just putting a little bit of money into something else outside of the banking system, whether that's Bitcoin or whether that's a, a property or it's just something something that's rare rather than sticking uh, in, in saving in unit of accounts like fiat, which makes zero sense at this point. Um, that's all I want to say. Mm, okay, <laughs> thank you very much, Josh. Uh, where can people find you and follow your work? Um, well, you know, I'm on Twitter, uh, which is at j. Shigala, which is J S C I G A L A, uh, J Shigala, or at, uh, at Voltoro as well, which is Volt as in a gold vault, V A U L T, and then Oro, which is Spanish for gold, Voltoro. Yes, thank you. I will put it in the show notes. And uh, so, everybody, thanks for joining. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Anita Post Show at anita.link. Subscribe. And thanks for watching. See you next time. Bye.